Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we welcome Alicia Ivory, who is doing some pretty amazing things with sports. She has worked with two sports-based youth development organizations in the Chicago area. The first is called Girls in the Game, and the second, the Center for Healing and Justice Through Sport, both of which have as a part of their mission to uplift and develop young people through sport. And though she is a Hope College graduate, we're really excited to talk to her. So let's get started. We're so excited to have Alicia Ivory with us today on the show. Alicia, tell us a little bit about sport in your life. Yeah, um, currently I coach middle school basketball. So out of all the things I'm able to do, that's definitely the highlight of my days um, being able to coach. Um, I started coaching competitively right after undergrad, graduated from Hope. Um so it's been super fun to get into the competitive space of coaching because before it was just like teaching young people the you know basics of sports and hopefully they gravitate towards one and look for more opportunities to play. Um, but now being able to coach and get girls ready and compete has been a fun challenge, um, but I've been enjoying it. So that's what most of the sport looked like for me uh, currently. Oh, I love that. We'll spend a little bit more time unpacking that in a little bit. Um, tell yeah. us about faith in your life. Oh boy, yeah, uh, faith is that guiding factor for me. That that compass of everything that I do. Um, I'm very active in our church. Um, I do a lot of um, community kind of work of getting and trying to figure out community initiatives we can do um, in the area that we are in on the west side of Chicago. Um, and just trying to offer opportunities for people to, you know, interact and get some kind of connection with God in their lives in that capacity. Because um, it looks so different um, in today's time in our area of like coming back from COVID and some churches closed down and things like that. So it's really trying to get people back connected in some way. Um, but I'm big on our um community-based activities, and then also our health initiatives that we have. So it's pretty cool to be able to merge all of my fields and passions into one, for sure. Well, Alicia, it's going to be great to get into that, to talk about all those merging passions and and a little bit about your love for sport and just how you've reached out to uh, yeah. children, particularly young people, and really poured into their lives. Before yeah. we do that, I wonder, like, help us get to know you a little bit. Give, do you have a hobby or an interest area that can help yeah. us get to know you? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things people find surprising is I love watching <laughs> WWE wrestling. That's like my guilty pleasure. I never stopped watching it ever since younger. So I still love watching wrestling. You know, it's like the reality TV, but with athleticism and the sports all mixed in one. Um, so I'm a big wrestling fan. So um, that's something that people will probably be surprised or find always interesting when I You know, I always them. thought Chad would make a great wrestler. Don't you think he we could we could do a uh, <laughs> get a persona okay. for him and and turn him in I don't, perfect. I, don't, I could be your manager. Like we have a plan. <laughs> you know, 
accompany you down the uh, the ring when you're going down and being your voice. I can do that. Perfect. We'll have to talk Definitely. afterwards Sounds about that. Good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, slightly different than uh, WWE wrestling, uh, but the world of sport, right? <laughs> so in some ways, uh, real and, and perceived. We have yeah. sport. Uh, and you've been involved in that for a long time. And I, I know that you're you're currently engaged with an organization and doing some work that uh, I want to get to. But I first want, can you tell me about Girls in the Game? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at the time when I was um, at Hope, I wasn't fully back at Girls in the Game. But I've been involved with Girls in the Game since I was 14. Um, I was looking for more opportunities to get a breather from sport at the time. And I think, especially now with all the research we have around middle schoolers, especially middle school girls dropping out at that 13 or 14, I played basketball all year round. That's all I knew. That's all I did. Um, and at the time I was like, oh, I'm going to high school to play, but I want a fun summer. Um, and one of the um, teachers that was over our program called Sister for Science, cause I love science. And uh, she was like, oh, I know this organization. Maybe you should try to get into it. I was like, okay, yeah, connect me. So I was able to interview and be a counselor in training because I was too old to be at camp, but too young to work there. Um, And all we did was in the morning, we played all these sports. And then we had a health and leadership rotation. And I'm like, I get to get paid and play, play all these sports, right? And that summer was the funnest summer I had in a while. And it just reminded me how sport can still be fun, right? Because I think sometimes we get so in the midst of the competitive, you got to do this and that like regimented schedule that it was just so fun to just play sports and just help young people play. Um, So that summer got me like fell in love with girls in the game. And from then on, all throughout high school, I stayed involved in different capacities. We ended up, um, they end up starting this program called Teen Squad where high schoolers can earn money for college. So you get to train to be a coach and then you get to do like other fun stuff, like go to different colleges and all that stuff. Um, so I was able to earn money for college and also practice coaching at that young age. And that's what really got me into loving uh, coaching. So right after college, I did your service with girls in the game. Cause I was still like, I know I want to do this, but is this something I want to do full time? Um, and I did a year of service and then I decided to go to grad school. I did the Master's of uh, Coaching and Athletic Administration at Concordia and Irvine. And then I became full time at Girls in the Game. And then every year was a different role. And then now I'm the director of programs um, and get to oversee all of our programs and make sure we continue to create those opportunities for young girls in Chicago and Baltimore. So it's cool to see my evolution through girls in the game. And now I get to see that for others. Um, So, so yeah, it was such a fun and life changing experience for me as a participant that I just couldn't get stay away. So. Well, this is how so many wonderful organizations thrive is by having people who are a part of it then come into leadership positions, just like you've experienced. Can you tell us a little bit about the scope of girls in the game? You know, you mentioned Chicago and Baltimore, you're out of Chicago. Mm Who is this program set up for? Who does it impact? And what does it do uh, in terms of the impact? Yeah. yeah, so we serve girls from ages 7 to 18. 
And usually we go into the areas and the neighborhoods that needs us the most. And that's usually neighborhoods that don't have a lot of resources in school because we do after school programming. We do a big summer camp, which is my favorite time because we do overnight camp, fun dance parties, all the fun things. <laughs> and then our team based programs. So we serve because the goals at Girls in the Game is that we serve girls year round and long term. Um, so we're able to get them at seven and keep them all the way up into 18 and keep them engaged. Um, so in our sessions, every time a participant participates, they do a sport. So it can be a traditional or non-traditional. So we can do dance and yoga or flag football, basketball, softball, all the sports you can think of, we do. And then we have the health and leadership component. So girls can learn about, you know, self-esteem, nutrition, emotional health, healthy relationships, um, goal setting, all of those things. So we really focus on hitting the whole girl because we know that it's just not the physical component, but that emotional and mental health is important as well. Um, so we have curriculum and we go in and to the communities and serve the girls. So it seems like the draw or the, the initial draw is the game, right? The idea of sport and getting them introduced. Yeah. What do you think as you've experienced this for, mm -hmm. for more than a decade now, um, how how do you think yeah. the the games that you play give you connections to these uh, young people in a way that maybe something else wouldn't? Yeah, I think giving them the opportunity to have a safe space to try the things, I think is the most important. Because usually we've seen it in like PE classes, recess, a lot of the times the boys take over and a lot of the girls don't usually have that earlier opportunity to get into sport because I also coach travel basketball as well. And I'll have parents that have daughters and sons and I'll be coaching their sons in our skill classes. And I'm like, Hey, what about her? How is she going to get out there? They're like, well, we're trying to see if she's going to, you know, gravitate to it for herself. And for the boy is like, Nope, that's something natural. They're going to get into, right. It's just like, Nope, they're going to do that, but we want to see if she does it. Right. So it's just giving them the opportunity to be like, yes, let's get out here, play all of these sports and introduce it in like a low competitive environment where they can just feel okay to mess up. It's okay to like figure out that you don't like it. That's okay. But there's so many other sports and then hopefully they look for more opportunities to play. So I think that kind of environment, letting them be able to, you know, try and a low state environment where they don't feel the pressure um, because with the center and some we'll talk about later on in the like the research and things that's shown is we try to push girls to be brave, not perfect, because a lot of the times they want to feel like they're going to be really good at something. They want to know that they're going to you know, be able to achieve it and be good at it before they get in it. And I think having that space where girls can just jump in and try and not feel like people are watching or make fun of or they're behind, I think is really a good selling point especially since they get into it a little later in age and not have a lot of that recreational kind of let's just figure it out time, you know. I love that phrase, being brave, but not expecting to be perfect. That, that's yeah. that's uh, such a great way to get kids involved in sports. So you've got this this interesting set of experiences where you're coaching travel basketball. You know, mm -hmm. that, can, that can be very high stakes, very competitive, very big business. And then yeah. what you've got going on, especially in these summer camps, is a more recreational, you know, more education-based yeah. model. You know, very, very different models of sport. Can you talk yes. about navigating both of those worlds as a coach? 
Yeah, like my thesis for my master's was the best of both worlds because it was just like I have this competitive world, but then you have the we call it sports based youth development world where it's a little bit less competitive. But then also my coaching hat and my administrator hat, you know, all of those things. Um, And it is different. And for me, it's trying to. I think bring forth some of the principles that we have in that sports-based youth development world and introduce that to the competitive coaches and let them know, like, you can incorporate some of these and it doesn't hinder the competitive or the competition piece. Because I think a lot of times coaches in the competitive space to see what we do and we're a part of like, everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets participation award and that's not it, right? It's just trying to be intentional about bringing out those aspects of sport that leads to those life lessons out, right? So we all know what sport can do for us, help us be more, you know, on top of things, organize, um, discipline, those kind of things. But the sports-based youth development role is more so just being more intentional about highlighting those so young people know it. And then they intentionally, you know, notice it in the spaces outside of sport, right? Because we want them to utilize the skills on and off the field. So I think that's what made me get into the um, travel world because I was a little hesitant because I'm like, some of the stuff I'm seeing and being it's going against everything in my core that I value as a coach, right? But being into those spaces and seeing that it can definitely be merged and it doesn't hinder like your competitiveness, competitiveness around the other teams and it doesn't really impact it that way that people would think that kind of like focus and structure would be. So, yeah. Well, God bless you for trying to have the best of both worlds. I mean, without a doubt, that's the trick, right? Yeah. We we enter sport because of a certain love for it, because of we just we just love to do it. And then somewhere along the way, the the competition, uh, which you can love high levels of competition, but it can also you're walking that line between play and work, right? And you're you're starting to get to a place that maybe yeah. some of the pleasure is gone. And like you said, you walking both yep. sides of this can bring some different energy into that uh, highly competitive world and uh, try to uh, remind people uh, why they started and what joy they got out of it when they um, first picked up a basketball or kicked a soccer ball or did anything else. Yeah. So that, I think yeah. that's wonderful. Can you give us um, – I mean, you have to have a big – bucket of good stories uh, and probably some tough ones too. But can, can you give us one like pretty good story where you, where you saw some of the things that sport could do, particularly maybe for, for a, a young girl and uh, how it maybe opened some doors or, or uh, gave some courage uh, where there wasn't some before. Yeah. I, I see that all the time at girls in the game and, Just in general, anytime I coach, it's just amazing how young people just grow and blossom in a short amount of time that you have with them. And also sometimes those longer terms you have with them. So there are so many stories of girls coming to us and not being like being afraid to raise their hand to speak or to just sitting out and not wanting to do anything till being the third, fourth, fifth session, they're out there talking. They don't want to leave and we got to get a talking stick because they won't stop talking, right? Um, So I constantly see girls evolve in our spaces, which is amazing. But again, for me, when I started, 
I just love the sport piece, but I didn't see myself as a leader. I didn't see myself as somebody that can gather all of these girls and they're looking at me like, okay, what do you want us to do? And that sense of responsibility you have as a coach to, you know, be that leader for them and girls in the game truly has helped me still now as a director, be comfortable in like the spaces talking to our board and advocating for things that we need and, and being able to push us to think outside the box of how we can serve girls better and evolve with the time. So I think my own story of seeing how I've grown and evolved um, is definitely parallel to a lot of the stories we have at Girls in the Game with our participants and some of our alumni that's on staff now. So it's always cool to just reflect on myself um, and how much I've grown and still growing in the space. Um, So, yeah, I think there's so many, so many stories um, that girls are just finding their voice. And that's what we're here for, especially in the sport and space um, and the climate that we're in, especially now that girls are able to see more people or women like them, um, seeing them more visible. Um, it's just awesome to see the just the trajectory and the evolution of just women in sports and girls in sport. Yeah, you you are the story, Alicia. That, that's great. Um, I have a short question and then a, 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 a question with maybe a short answer and then a, a longer question for you here. Give us an yeah. idea of like the the numbers here. I mean, the, the the scope of this. How many you know girls in the game? What are we, what are we talking here in terms of numbers? Yeah. So over a year, we serve about around like 3,500 girls um, all across the board. Um, and over the course of 20 something years, we've been into practice over. I would say, I don't even know, like 70, 80,000 girls. So it's a lot of girls we've been able to uh, have in our programs over the course of these 20, almost 30 years. Oh, that's great. That's great. So can we talk a little bit about the other organization now that you're connected with, the, the Center for yeah. Healing and Justice in Sports, CHJS? Share with us a yes. little bit about what goes on through that organization and, and your role within it. Yeah, so Girls in the Game allows me to work with uh, the center quite often and leading different kind of initiatives and trainings because uh, the center was before called We Coach. Um, and then they shifted to the Center for Healing and Justice through Sport because they felt like that encompasses more of what they were trying to do. Um, the center have three main buckets that they work out of. So one is training. So the goal of like I was telling you, like we want more coaches like me to be in those competitive spaces to introduce these these healing centered practices that we're telling them, like, this is what, you know, young people need, especially going through all the things that they've gone through, especially after COVID and all the other things that may be happening with young people in today's time. So we go out and train other coaches in different principles, whether it's coaching girls, the best practices of coaching girls or our healing centered practices of like understanding trauma and overwhelming stress and um, talking through that with coaches. And then we have consulting where we work with different nonprofits to build capacity. So rather it's them helping build curriculum or um, different procedures and practices for their coaches an organization. And then we have that movement building piece where we're trying to bring as many ambassadors on as possible to try to get the word out that we need more healing center spaces for uh, young people in sport because we know sport can heal if done right. And that's the mantra of the center is we know and we believe sports can heal. 
Um, and that's what we move forward doing. Um, our initiatives and things like that that we're doing currently is all under that umbrella. So it's an intriguing concept and one not often stated that, that sports can heal, right? Uh, I think uh, we say a lot of things yeah. about sport, but rarely do we say that sports can heal. Can you flesh that out a little bit? Tell mm-hmm. us uh, kind of where you're coming from with this idea that sports can heal and maybe yeah. how you've seen this play out in the lives of uh, some of your, some of your youth. Yeah. So a big component of what we train others on is pinpointing different elements of sports that we feel are the driving force to be healing. Right. So we talk about the importance of connection, right, for young people and the importance of building relationships. So for young people that that have experienced a lot of overwhelming stress or trauma, the more caring relationships and caring adults in their lives that they have, the better it is for them to be able to maneuver through and process that overwhelming stress and trauma that they've had. So we hit on that piece of how sport naturally has that component of building relationships and connection. And then we talk about movement, the importance of just moving. And uh, we call, we have this um, type of movement is called pattern repetitive rhythmic activity, where whether it's like dribbling a basketball or playing catch, jump rope, those things as pattern repetitive and rhythmic because back as our bodies are, you know, growing and developing in our mother's womb, where we felt the safest, we heard our heart beat. That's what somehow science-wise and people could tell us is imprinted in our brains. And when we do those kind of activities, they're regulating for young people. And that so in reminding coaches how their sport naturally does that and being intentional about that. And then we talk about how sport has that moderate, predictable um, kind of stress, right? Because we know that we don't want to bubble wrap our young people. They're going to experience stress and there are stressors in sport, but if it's predictable, if it's moderate and controlled, we can help young people become resilient, right? Because we talk about how resilient is something that you experience. It's not something that you're born with or you just naturally have. It's experiencing that failure. Ooh, that didn't feel good. Oh, I failed that time, but let me put the Band-Aid on on the inside and keep it going. But then having that safe space to do that in sport, because coaches always do that, right? When we practice that high stake, that game winner that we need to practice and how we're able to dial up that stress but then also bring it back down. So those three elements in sport is what we talk about um, and have like currently we're doing these cohorts where there are four weeks and we break down the connection piece in two hours, the regulation piece in two hours. So we break out those pieces, but those three elements is what we highlight as healing parts of sport. And if coaches are intentional about it, that's how we can create those healing center spaces. So this is all, these are initiatives towards coaches. And that's what's interesting to me, right? Is that um, when we think about sport as healing, I think what maybe came to Brian's mind, what probably came to my mind too, is is the amount of times that athletes are traumatized by coaches or because of coaches, right? Uh, And it could be certainly criminal stuff, but also just kind of, you know, emotional based uh, mm-hmm. uh, traumas or, or just emotional traumas because of coaches. So what we're getting at here then at the center, right, is, is, this, is this work to help coaches uh, better understand the importance of what they do related to, to the process of youth sport. Um, 
can you share a little bit of the the research basis behind what what you're what you're doing? And um, you know, I love the yeah. fact that it was called We Coach, and now it's the Center for Healing Just and Sport. That clearly this is it's about coaching and coaching done well and done right. So, can you share a little bit of the, the research basis? Yeah. So, with the healing center practices and all the brain work that we're doing, we partner with Dr. Bruce Perry, who has been in the child. Um, um, trauma is like a child psychologist and a neuroscientist for like over 40 years. And he has this thing called the neurosequential model that he has it for um, practitioners, um, like therapists, but then also for teachers. And then our founder, Megan Bartlett from the center has been working with him to create this in a model for sport. Right. So he's been I did this year long cohort, the second cohort that we just uh, did, and they just launched their third one. Um, Dr. Bruce Perry come on and he does um, some like PowerPoints and go through some things in his site. And then Megan comes on and does the applicable part for the coaches. And like you were saying, it's for coaches, but we also been putting this material out and this content out to anyone that work with young people. Cause over the summer here in Chicago, the Chicago department of public health, um, gave us this grant to launch these cohorts all over the city of Chicago with organizations that did a lot of violence prevention work. And this was the first time we took this content to them. And we were like, okay, we're used to talking to coaches. We, you know, we know these principles can be carried over and it was just as applicable for them as well when they're working with young people, just how they can create those healing center spaces. So it's something that, yeah, working with Dr. Bruce Perry in this kind of setting, and he's the expert in all of it, you know, went to school for all of it, all the brain things. Um, and we just became brain nerds. And um, our our founder is really that pioneer of incorporating that trauma-informed uh, practices into sport. So it's really cool working with the two of them and seeing all of the things, because I feel like we do it, but putting it into practice and knowing like biology, biology like why or the physiology behind it like why our body does or how we react the way we do um is always super like interesting and i think when people get introduced to the content they're like oh this is why when we ask young people what were they thinking when they kicked the ball or threw the ball because of the part of the brain they were using it makes sense they weren't thinking right they were dysregulated they were doing the best they can and we're, we're trying to have these deep conversations with young people when they're dysregulated and the way the brain works, that's biologically disrespectful. They can't have these rational, logical conversations when they're upset that they just got the ball stolen or they just lost and things like that. Right. So it just puts things in perspective for coaches to have more grace for their young people and know that they're not coming into the spaces to get on your nerves. They're just doing the best they can with what tools they have at the time. Well, with, with all of Chad's anger management issues, I think this is really, really helpful. <laughs> I appreciate you doing all this intervention work. It's really, right. it's going to, it's going to help a lot. Um, so I, I just, a uh, same type of question that Chad asked, I wonder, so this center, it's sounds wonderful. Um, What's the scope of it at this point? How, how many staff and, and how many students? And is there are there other chapters of this, yeah. other places? Yeah, so the center is uh, nationwide. So we have trainers all over. And even we have a train, trainer in Australia now uh, doing a lot of good work in Australia. So we have contracts from all over. So we work with sports teams. So like 
here in Chicago, I just wrapped up a coaching girls cohort that the Chicago Bulls pulled together. All of these people that work with girls and uh, women in sport. So it was high school coaches, youth coaches or recreational youth coaches. All of these coaches came together and the Bulls were able to have a youth coach on their team that does like the X's and O's. And we came in and gave some of the like the healing center stuff, the SBY, the sports-based youth development kind of practices and give them a little, you know, taste of our trainings. So we work with the Bulls with that. And then in our LA team just did stuff with the Dodgers and we are doing stuff um, in Detroit. So we we go all over working with different sports teams, um, Nike initiatives. So they have these uh, community ambassadors through Nike where they let their staff go out and volunteer um, at different organizations and we train them. So we do a lot of work all over. Um, but our main headquarters is here in Chicago. Uh, we have a bigger team here. Um, but it's just a f- team full of trainers from all over with different sports backgrounds, with different coaching backgrounds, and we're all come together. And it's like an awesome team, like a dream team of all the sports, all of the knowledge, all of the things, all in one space. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing kind of uh organization to be with well previously whenever i've thought of dream team in chicago i've thought of michael jordan but maybe now i'm gonna have to yeah. change my thinking a little bit we've got a different <laughs> like it's like the all-star team yeah, there right? we go From all uh, over there you go yeah that's, i like that that's how it is we got a lot of all-stars on the team so here's maybe maybe the question that brian and i are most interested in you sharing um throughout the course of this conversation and that is um you're working for these organizations that aren't explicitly christian yeah. but it's doing great justice work. Um, yeah. How does your faith play into what you do? Yeah. I, I get to encounter so many different people on a daily basis. And I think what has helped me and what I think is a big component is really allowing people to feel seen and feel heard. Um, and having that humbleness when I come into spaces to let them lead the spaces and let their true hearts and feelings and everything be be seen, if that makes sense. And just this healing work really got me thinking of just the overall, how we know, like when we're stressed, when we're overwhelmed, how we feel it in our bodies, right? And having that background in my, like the Christian field or just like my faith, right? Of just understanding how when your heart is happy and joyful. It's like medicine, right? I believe it's like in Proverbs, right? And then if it's not how it impacts your spirit, right? And your body and me being able to come in these spaces where sometimes there's so much darkness and trauma and and just a lot that they're bringing and to be able to be that listening force and sort of kind of try to be that light for them and be like, I know you're going through all of this, but there's light at the end of the tunnel, Um, and not explicitly be able to like say this and that, but we do have spaces where in the communities that we serve, there are a lot of faith-based organizations. So that's when I'm like, see, I can connect and be in that space with them. But I just think there are so many different principles that we do and practice that even though it's not a faith-based, for me, I connect it as Yes, that makes sense, right? Like we have to be able to heal our bodies, heal inside, right? That internal work 
um, and be in a good place there for everything else to make sense. And even if that's not connected to or if we have different faith and belief systems, that is still that everybody has a right to heal um, and have that space. Um, And I think a lot of the work that I've done at church has allowed me to just be able to go into spaces and listen and really be able to just insert myself where need be, but mainly just be that open vessel for them, right? And to use my experiences. And and I think that just naturally allows people to feel comfortable. So I think it's hard to decipher because it's just like, that's just how the principles and things that I've learned is just in me of like loving everybody and and coming into that space with that. Because I just love humans, love being around people. Um, and and seeing the good and finding the good to help others see that as well. Um, so I think that's how I do it is just coming in and just humbling myself and just being able to be used however it see fit in the in the space. I say I'm a utility player because wherever I see, I navigate and whatever hat I need to have on, I put on that hat to make people comfortable and and um, approachable and help them feel safe and comfortable in the space when I'm facilitating or leading. Well, I don't know if you could have said that any better. So uh, thanks so much for uh, the good work you're doing. You know, it occurs to me that working in sometimes tough spaces and and working with kids uh, can really wear you down and run you down Mm -hmm. and uh, might get you uh, being cynical about certain things, but I, I don't see any of that yeah. in in the way that you carry yourself or uh, the stories you tell. Uh, it seems that there's there's a joy, an overwhelming joy in your heart as you do this work. And yeah. uh, I just want to commend you for it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, uh, as we sign off here, uh, I, I want to thank you for joining us. But also, uh, if people want to learn more about Girls in the Game or the Center for Healing and Justice in Sport, uh, where would you direct them? Yeah, for Girls in the Game, if they're in Chicago or Baltimore, we definitely want them to look at our website, girlsinthegame.org, to see what program is near. But also if people just do programming and they want to serve their girls in a different capacity, we are also allowing people to use our curriculum and helping train their coaches to use our program and facilitate our program. So that's something new. So if we're not in Ohio we can get girls in the game in Ohio at programming and things like that. So they can definitely just look on our website and reach out Um, for the center. We do a lot of content online um, and social media. So um, checking out the center's um, Instagram page um, is something is CHJS. um, And we do a lot of content where there's coaches talking about some of the principles that we talked about on here um, videos from our trainings and all that stuff. So you can really get a snapshot of all the things we do on um, social media and then all of our other websites and things like that is on there as well. Wonderful. Thanks so much for spending some time with us, Alicia. And uh, we look forward to connecting again in the future. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I enjoyed chatting with you all today. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sports, faith, life.